from Studio C136. This is One Hour School Live! Welcome, welcome to another episode of One Hour School Wide. This is Mr. Mertz. Got another special episode for you this week. We have a special guest, and that special guest is Alexis Willis of Pin Oak Volleyball, Girls Basketball, and Track and Field. We have an interview with her coming up after this. Um, it is with uh, one of our members of One Hour School Wide. Reeve Jenkins. So be looking out for that. And I want to just go ahead and say thank you right now to um, to Reeve and to Coach Willis for helping, uh, for participating in the inter- interview this week. Miss um, Willis is going to talk about uh, the volleyball season and give a little bit of a preview of the basketball season that is fastly approaching. All right, moving on to topics for me this week. Um, I guess the only topic that is really on my mind this week, sports-wise, is OU Texas, right? Um, the Red River rivalry, the the Red River shootout, whatever word it is, um, but the big game in Dallas, right? Uh, always a, an exciting week, a lot of anticipation building up to the game, and then once the game starts, I don't know, maybe not anticipation, maybe the word should be maybe it's anticipation at the beginning of the week and then as the game gets closer and closer there's for me it's anxiety (laughs) um as a native oklahoman and as somebody who grew up watching oklahoma football um lady bo to the main office lady bo to the main office please um pardon that um it's it's kind of hard to live in 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 Houston sometimes when (laughs) when Texas wins this game so I'm hoping for my own personal uh, reasons that Oklahoma can win the game on Saturday. Um, I guess let's talk about the game a little bit. Uh, I guess let's start with Texas. Uh, Texas offense is uh, it, it's pretty good. Uh, they probably have the best player, the best offensive player in the league with uh, B. John Robinson, who um, one of the writers from that covers, I believe is Brian, I believe his name is Brian Davis, uh, that covers the Longhorns who used to write for the Dallas Morning News, uh, compared B. John Robinson to Adrian Peterson, and, or at least he should be in the same category with Adrian Peterson. I don't know if I'd go that far. Uh, I think he's a really good running back. Um, and like I said, I think he's the best offensive player in the league, but I don't know if I'd compare him to Adrian Peterson. Maybe he goes and maybe he shows up Saturday at 11 a.m. and runs for 200 on Oklahoma, and he has Adrian Peterson, but... That seems like a little bit of a stretch. However, um, I do think he's really, really good um, catching the ball out of the backfield and running. Um, speaking of catching the ball and throwing the ball, uh, Casey Thompson, a native Oklahoman, mind you, from Moore or Newcastle, I think, uh, which is a suburb of Oklahoma City, for y'all that don't know your Oklahoma geography. Um, father played at OU, Charles Thompson. Uh, Might have been on a national championship team in the 80s, actually. I'm not sure. Um, his brother played for OU in like 2012, 2013, and then he goes to Texas, and now he is the starting quarterback for the University of Texas. So part of me thinks that like it's kind of destiny that he uh, becomes the quarterback of Texas and is going to win this game on Saturday. Part of me thinks that. Um, I hope I'm wrong. 
but it could be kind of one of those uh, fairy tale stories, right? Where, you know, your whole family is one way and you decide to make your own path and then you go and you beat that team. So he's good. He's a good quarterback. Uh, he throws the ball pretty well. Uh, I do think OU is going to try to make uh, Casey Thompson beat them and try to take away Bijan Robinson. Notice I said the word try. Uh, OU is going to try to take away Bijan Robinson and make Texas throw the ball. We'll see how that goes. Um, I think that is OU's best bet to uh, to shut down Texas offensively because they are pretty potent offensively. So um, I would I would think Oklahoma would would have four or five men on the line of scrimmage um, and and play you know cover one or maybe even some single coverage in the secondary. Um, Texas's defense, uh, not the best, right? Uh, they got lit up by uh, Arkansas. There is like over 300 yards rushing by Arkansas. Uh, the rush defense is not great. I think their pass defense is a little bit better, but uh, their, their defense is not great. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, now to OU. Um, OU's offense has not been playing well until last Saturday. They played pretty well against Kansas State. They scored on, uh, I think they had nine possessions, and one of those possessions was the the kneel right before the end of the game, right? So that they really had eight possessions, and they scored on, I think, seven, seven out of those eight possessions. So they really moved the ball a lot better, um, ran the ball a lot better with Kennedy Brooks. Um, the OU's offense, so most of the teams that have been playing OU uh, on defense have been um, they've been dropping like eight people in the coverage and kind of daring OU to to run the ball and OU finally was patient enough to run the ball last Saturday and they were successful with it and um, not only that but uh, times when uh, they didn't run the ball they uh, rolled Spencer Rattler out of the pocket and allowed him to kind of dump passes off to running backs and tight ends and pick up, you know, seven or eight yards at a time, which isn't what OU fans are used to or used to, you know, big plays. Um, there was one big play in the game to Marvin Mims, um, a couple of big runs, but most of it was just kind of, you know, have to be patient and take what the defense is giving you. So I think Texas will probably play OU similarly on Saturday. Um, we'll see if OU can be, the offense can be patient and run the ball when uh, if, if Texas only puts three people on the line of scrimmage. And we'll see if uh, Spencer Rattler makes good decisions when he's running uh, out of the pocket and those types of things. Um, and hopefully OU decides to run the ball with Kennedy Brooks again because that would be <laughs> – that would make me happy because I think he is uh, – Eric Gray is a good running back, but I think Kennedy Brooks is definitely uh, RB1. Uh, Oklahoma's defense did not play their best game uh, last Saturday against K-State. Probably their worst game of the season, honestly, um, which was kind of troublesome. There was there were some injuries uh, in the secondary, and uh, there are a couple injuries in the uh, linebacking core. Now, I think that those injuries are going – those guys are going to play this Saturday, so that should help OU defensively. I do think uh, OU has a better defense than Texas. I think Texas probably has a better offense at this point in the season based on the way OU's played offensively up to this point. So, um, you know, something's going to have to give on Saturday. Um, I'm really excited, though, to watch the game. I wish it wasn't at 11 a.m. I wish it was at 2.30, but they always put this game at 11 a.m. Um, if you've never been to the uh, game before, it, it's it's awesome. I've been, I've been once in a 2011 and uh, it was actually uh, we blew out texas which made me really happy but most of the time in in recent years it's been it's been really good games like one possession games 
uh, at the end of the score at the end of the fourth quarter. So um, really fun, really exciting. Uh, yeah, I you know I'm gonna be a, a nervous wreck once once kickoff starts. <laughs> just just how it is. Um, but uh, I'm excited. I feel I don't know I don't know how I feel who I'm gonna pick in the game. Uh, I guess I guess I could pick somebody um, just based on you know, what I've said in this segment today. Um, it might, it might make some people mad, you know, I don't, I don't know. Maybe my friends will text me, um, and give me some, give me some grief about what I'm about to say. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I just have to go with my gut. And so with that said, I'm going to pick, um, OU. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. Um, I think the line's three, the line's been going up from three to three and a half. It's just kind of, kind of been going up and down. Um, maybe OU can actually cover a spread this year. They haven't covered the spread at all this year. So maybe with a line so low that they could actually cover a spread. But uh, you never know what happens in that game with uh, with the rivalry and stuff. There's been there's been times when I think OU was uh, winless in like, what, 96 or 97, and then they went into the Texas game and they beat Texas. <laughs> I mean, that was like the first win of the season. So anything can happen. Anything probably will happen. So... It's just fun to watch, and it's fun for a, for a Big 12 game to be showcased like that, especially um, uh, college ESPN College Game Day will be at the game, and uh, there will be a lot of lot of focus on that game this week. So really excited to uh, to have a to have a stake in it, I guess, to a certain extent. Where uh, I'm a fan of one of the teams that are at this point. Okay. Uh, with that said, uh, I want to thank all y'all for listening who have been listening the last couple of weeks, first off, and, uh, coming up next is our, uh, featured, no, our special, special guest segment with coach Willis. And after that is our normal, uh, student segments. All right, welcome into another special episode, a special segment uh, for One Hour School Wide. Uh, this is Mr. Mertz, and with me today I have Reeve Jenkins and head coach of the volleyball team and girls basketball and track, uh, Miss Alexis Willis. Welcome. Thank you. I'm glad to be here with you both. Okay, Miss. Okay, Miss Willis, let's talk a little bit about volleyball. So uh, how, where are we at in the season? I know the season started a couple weeks ago or maybe even closer to a month ago. Um, where are we at in the season? How are we doing? Um, any any thoughts on on this season uh, of volleyball for Pin Oak? Yes, this year, um, especially compared to last year, is um, a lot smoother. Um, right now we are currently, I believe, in our fourth week with the volleyball. Um, Right now we have our seventh grade team. They're undefeated as of now. Eighth grade team needs to catch up as of right now. However, they are both doing great as far as progressing as a team, um, growing as a team. And we actually do have a game today against Myerland Middle School. So that'll be happening today after school at 530 with seventh grade starting first and then eighth grade starting afterwards. So we're looking forward to that game. And then next week, our homecoming game will actually be against Westbrier Middle School. So the girls are very pumped and excited for that. 
um, like I said, they've just been growing as a team, working hard, and I'm excited to see the improvements that we're growing with. Do you have any, you have any like expectations for the team, like like their record and something like that? Yes. Um, so I coach the team. One, we do have a wide variety of skill levels um, on the team. We have girls that have zero years experience all the way up to girls who have been playing since um, they were of age in kindergarten. So as a coach, I have to be mindful in a sense of making sure that I challenge those girls who already have those um, that skill level that's already matched. And then also making sure that I still coach the girls that have zero years experience. So as a coach, um, I do have to be flexible with them. So when I'm looking at my expectations for both seventh and eighth grade, my goal is to see how they're doing um, each and every week. Are they progressing in the areas? Are their serves starting to go over? Um, the girls that were underhand serving, are they able to overhand serve as the season starts to progress? So um, what I look for in the coach Bianca Lillo is um, my seventh grade head coach. Uh, what we're both looking for is to make sure that those girls are not only winning the games, but do we see growth in each week? And the girls that are regressing, how are we able to push them and make sure that they're setting the expectations each week for it? Well, I hope we get revenge on Meyerland because the football team lost last night. So good luck in tonight's match. Yes, um, I heard. Um, that's not a shot at the football team. Sorry. Um, <laughs> so in volleyball, are there like, do you draw up plays like, or is it just, you know, kind of like, you know, because you rotate mm -hmm. after each point or whatever, yes. right? Uh, so how do you like draw up a play in volleyball or, or something like that? Yeah, so volleyball is um, actually a lot more complicated when it comes to rotations, because if I go in as a substitute for Reeve, he and I are now married to one another. I cannot go in for any other student. So that's where it becomes challenging versus basketball or football. You can throw anyone out on the field. You're not tied to anyone. So that's where um, when we do drop plays, there is a defense that we have. We have our, um, with both teams, we work a 4-2 or 6-2 rather, um, where we have two setters, a front row setter and back row setter. And of course, like you said, um, they rotate after each serve um, as long as they break the serve. And if not, they keep serving and keep serving until you know we're able to break that. Um, so with volleyball, there is a lot of um, a lot of rotations. There's a lot of plays. There's a lot of adjustments. Um, how the girls are able to defend tips. How they're able to defend um, spikes. How they're able to transition over. So each practice we have different drills that we use in order to make sure that they know how to defend, but also how to play on the offensive um, side of things. So but yes, rotation-wise, it, it is difficult because if you do have a situation where both players are struggling, then you cannot substitute unless you have what is known as a libero. A libero is a back row player um, that we're actually looking for. I'm looking for a back row player, a libero for seventh and eighth grade that that person could go to for in for anyone that's on the back row. So that is the only player that is not tied to anyone that's in the game. However, the libero cannot play on the front row. So typically that libero is the um, strongest back row player. She or he, because Mel's can also play volleyball, um, she or he typically been there the fastest on the court because they're able to get um, those digs very quickly. They're able to receive the ball efficiently or effectively rather, and they just move about. So um, it's interesting, for sure. It is challenging to coach. However, it is very rewarding, especially whenever you are seeing the growth amongst the students. 
in the games that you've played, have any players impressed you? Yes. Um, so I guess I'll do a few shout outs. Um, I'll start with our seventh grade team, um, Eva Muscle, Chandler Bromley, Faith Pazan. Um, I'll just speak on Faith uh, specifically. All of the girls have done an excellent job, seventh and eighth grade. But with our seventh grade team, um, I am super proud of our Faith Pazan, who's actually a softball player who's never touched a volleyball up until actually trying out. And you would have thought that she's been doing it for several years. But she's a quick learner um, in the game. She's able to execute and think quickly on her feet. We also have another seventh grade player, Eva Muskell. Um, she and I believe our last game against Welsh Middle School, she served 13 or 14 times in a row, and the girls were not able to receive the ball, and the game ends at 25. So she was able to get a very large lead against Welsh Middle School, which ended up securing that win or helping secure the win. And then um, another student, Chandler, um, this is just all seventh grade still. Uh, she's never played, but in sixth grade, when she was in PE, when we would have our recreational time, she and another student from the eighth grade team last year um, worked together, helping her overhand serve. So whenever she did try out for the seventh grade team, she already knew how to do overhand serve. So they really did impress me. Our eighth graders, um, Ellie Casilli, Macy Moncrief. I'm just trying to think of my whole team as a whole. Juliana Petrova. Um, they hustle on and off the court. Ellie and Macy are actually our team captains. And I chose them simply because they showed leadership skills right off the back early on in the week's practice. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm impressed all the time. But at the same time, I get impressed by them taking an additional step that I did not ask for. I don't get impressed by things that are required, but I get impressed by things that are done without me having to tell them to do something. Coach, um did you play volleyball in high school? And if if you did, um, how does that help you translate uh, coaching to the players? Actually, I played in middle school. I played for the seventh and eighth grade team. I did not play in high school. I actually focused on track. And then I played in college on a, um, I believe it was like clubs or intramurals in college. I played for four years through there. Um, so using that experience, I was able to, one, relate to the girls, especially at the middle school level, because when I first played at middle school, I never played before. But I was um, just naturally athletic, and I just picked up and just wanted to do it because my friends were doing it, once I realized that volleyball is hard. A lot of people just think it's sitting the ball back and forth over the net. Um, it is a skill set. It is where you have to make contact with the ball, how you lift the ball. A lot of people aren't aware of that. So, for example, in PE, they are finishing up their volleyball units where we actually had a tournament. Reeve, you were in a tournament. You noticed that you have to hit the ball in a certain area in order for it to come over. So the girls are having a better understanding of it. And with me using my experience with middle school and intramural, even though intramural is you know, a lot more lighthearted than it is at the high school level. Um, just getting that to understand that I relate to their struggles, their challenges, and appreciate whenever I do see the girl. Um, that I am mindful of it, I notice it, I am there for them, but at the same time, I can also say that I can relate to them as well versus not having any experience at all coaching a sport. Um, it's hard for anyone who hasn't coached a sport or hasn't played a sport rather to coach that sport. So you can understand the uh, mindset of that athlete during the time. When you are coaching a volleyball game, what do you look forward to the most? Um, actually, I'm extremely nervous during game day. I hate game days. I hope that they do well, of course, but it almost feels as if I'm playing or running um, back when I was your age. So I get 
butterflies and all, uh, it's hard because you're trying to make the best decision. You're still trying to make sure every person touches the court because it's still a learning experience. But if I had to look forward to it is really those very tight games. Um, so for example, when the eighth grade team played against Welsh Middle School, we actually went to the third set, which is a tiebreaker set. And you have to win by two in order, um, especially if it's that tight. And so those are those exciting moments that I do look forward to. Of course, I don't want to go to a third game. It's longer and it's not needed. However, those are the moments that I get really excited about because it gets them excited to see that they're hyping each other up, they're supporting each other. But also with me, it gives me a chance to see who's able to perform well underneath pressure. Because some people um, buckle under pressure, some people you see a lot of stars rising from them. But overall, I get extremely nervous um, because I also want to make sure that I'm making the right decisions, making the right calls, making sure that I take timeouts when they're needed and not not taking them when they're not needed. I would I would like to second that it is very hard to play volleyball, and that is evident from my <laughs> performance in the uh, faculty volleyball game from, <laughs> from time to time. It varies from year to year. Sometimes I played better than others, um, but yes. Um, so in addition to volleyball, um, you have basketball coming up pretty soon and, and track in the spring. Is there anything like a type of an announcement or anything you'd like to make as far as like when basketball tryouts or whatever interest meeting or anything's going to happen or same thing for track? Like what's kind of the timeline going forward after volleyball? Yeah, so um, actually we had our um, interest meeting on Monday. Um, it was at five o'clock or yes, five o'clock on Monday and if they are interested in trying out for the team and they were not able to attend the interest meeting, we will be hosting tryouts Wednesday, October 20th through Friday, October 22nd, I believe are the dates. And they're going to be at 6.30 to 7.45 with doors opening at 6.20 a.m. Um, if they do make the team, then all practices will be held in the morning because the boys practice in the afternoon. So if you are interested in trying out for the team, I highly encourage that you all um, work on your dribbling, work on your passing, work on your shooting, but also um, Coach Buller, who is going to be the seventh grade head coach, and she's coming out of coaching retirement after not doing it for 10 years. She's been active for over 30 years, and she and I are both looking for who is also coachable. I promise you we will take the students who are coachable versus students um, who are not coachable, because at the end of the day, it is middle school. We are teaching the foundations, and we want to make sure that everyone is a good learner. They're a quick learner and that they're able to uh, perform at the best of their abilities. And then with track, uh, we have not received any information just yet from district, but with track, um, that sport is everyone's um, sports punishment. Um, that's how I used to say when I ran track in high school, but just to make sure that you're conditioning all throughout. And then also strength training is um, highly encouraged with track, with cross country, with any sport, you wanna make sure that you're staying in shape for those. And then, of course, basketball continued to run because the first week or two, it would just be straight conditioning before we even touch a ball. So just make sure that y'all are uh, prepared for that. All right. Um, well, Coach, I want to I want to thank you for joining us today for this segment. And I also want to wish you good luck in the game tonight against, uh, I guess, is it a game or match? I guess it's a match, volleyball okay. match, volleyball game, whatever. It's a game because you have three matches, I guess. Oh, OK, so that's right. One. There you go. My or two. We're hoping to not go yeah. to a third match. Yes. Two games tonight. Yes, two games <laughs> in the house. And then uh, good luck on that and good luck with the rest of the season and in the basketball season. Uh, and I'd also like to thank Reeve for helping me out today. Reeve, do you have anything else you'd like to say? Um, I enjoyed interviewing you. Good luck and 
and you'll do good in coaching. It'll be fun. Thank you so much. I appreciate you both. Hi, I'm Lee Rafuta, and today I'm with Kevin, Muhammad, and Michael. There's a lot. There's a lot going on in the soccer world. We have we have Dorda Maruma being cussed out by the whole city of Milan just because he left. He was a. They never. Re, they said that he had a lot of ambition. They never really liked him. But anyways, what do you have for us, Jake Muhammad? I have a Barcelona versus Grande. They tried to uh, rescue a point for Barcelona and admit a tie. Admit a tie. So Barcelona, it was about to be game over for Barcelona, but they got a free kick. 44 minutes a game, and it was a great save from the defender, Maximo. 50 minutes in the game, and they tried to score, but did not make it. For some reason, the Grande team members were so like harsh that they kicked three of the players with two shots on target. They the key for the game for Barcelona is six fifty passes without a tie. All right, thank you, Muhammad. Michael, what do you have for us? Um, I have that last game's um Man United versus Everton. It was a great start, but after also drawing the exact fixture last season, three to three, despite trailing two to zero, a halftime Everton as the first side of to avoid defeat away at Manchester United in back-to-back Premier League seasons, despite being behind a halftime both times. Manchester um, have won just two of their last season home league games, having won eight to their ten at Old Trafford Prayer to this run. And Everton have 14 points from their seven Premier League games this season. Only in 2004 to 2005, they had 16 points and had more after their opening seven matches in the competition when they would go on to achieve their best ever position in the table division of the season, the fourth season. Thank you, Michael. Now, Kevin, what do you have for us? Um, on September 28, 2021, Manchester City had a game with Paris. Mbappé scored, has scored 136 goals and laid on 66 assists for PSG, over 186 games in competition. Thank you, Kevin. Now we go to the Nationals, where Spain beat Italy a Euro semifinal rematch with Spain beating Italy 2-1 two, two, two with Italy with a red card and Spain having a youngster, a youngster, a youngster's debut, national debut, making a record. He's 17 years old. No one, no one's ever pay, played at for the national team that young. Anyways, now I'm gonna go to Barcelona, where Spain, and I mean Spain, where we had a big showdown 
with Atletico Madrid and Barcelona. Suarez scored beautiful. Lamar and Suarez scored beautiful goals. Suarez finally got his revenge, and after celebration, he said, "He said, he said to Kuma, call me with his finger, with his finger making that expression, call me.'" But he really, he really gave it to him. But anyways, I'm I'm very proud of Suarez for doing this because he's a top he's a top class player. I think now the whole world's going into shock with this. Like they're wondering, did uh, why now they're wondering why did uh, why did Barcelona get rid of him? This is probably one of Kuman's biggest mistakes. But also now in Barca, we finally get the truth on how bad it is, and the truth of Messi why Messi left. Messi never left because he wanted to leave Barca. He left because Barcelona didn't or is in debt a lot of money. Uh, in April 2021, Joan Laporta and the CEO found out about this massive debt. The second, the second that Antoine Griezmann was signed is the second that they ran out of money and they realized that they could never go back. Now Barca's, now Barca's really in really bad shape. But while also trying to resign, Pedri and Ansu Fati, who are both promising youngsters with a with a bright future ahead. Uh, I'm also looking forward to what they can do in the Champions League. Is it Barca's? Uh, I think Barca this year is one of those teams. Like, what's going on with them? They've lost all their Champions League matches. They're in ninth place of La Liga. They've lost Messi. They've the only stars that they really have left are Ter Stegen, Ter Stegen, also uh, Ter Stegen, uh, Sergio Roberto, who may be leaving soon, and Johnny Alba. Uh, they're also They may get. They may have to get rid of. They may have to get rid of Coutinho. But I know exactly who they have to get rid of. They got to get rid of Pjanic. Got to get rid. They may have to get rid of Coutinho. The pace should stay. They should also put Pedro and Sufati at this point on the transfer list. I mean, I don't under, like they put them both. They put them both on the transfer list last season, but I don't know why no one went for them. I guess it's everyone. I guess it's because of COVID and how like and how no one teams are making money. But this is a. Uh, Seeing the Bar- Barca was a different team five years ago, five, six years ago. And I, you have to accept that Bar- for Barca fans, it's very hard. But anyways, Muhammad, do you have anything? Yes, I have an international, Italy versus Spain. So this guy named G. Don Mission kicked the goalie so hard that he almost injured him. This, this game has a three... Penalty cards, one for Mario, another for Pino, and from Ferredo. They tried to go Spain one because they have the better teammates. Uh, this guy, Lorenzo, might be quitting because of how much kicks and and stuff he already got. There was so many substitution in this game. One, two, three, four, according to Google's. Statistics. Thank you, Muhammad. And now, one last thing, Nico, before we have to wrap it all up. Everyone, you better get ready for October 
24th, where we have the El Clasico, one of the biggest matches of the whole year. Uh, what do you guys think? Who do you think that's good? who's going to win that? I mean, I hope Barca will, but I think the way that things are going, Real Madrid is going to win. I think Barcelona is going to win too. Um, what about you? Yeah, maybe Barcelona could win also. You, Kevin? Yeah, I think they're going to win too. Barcelona has better teammates and better skills because they use passing. The passing, I mean, Tiki Taka ancient like uh, what they had with, how they had it with uh, Pep Guardiola, but it's a very efficient way, but Man, I think uh, I, I want Barca to win, but I think it's going to go end up going to Real. I mean, you look at it, like, look at their lineup. Even though they lost a lot of their greats, they have uh, Quartan goal. They have, uh, they have, they have Viniscus Jr. Even though they just suffered the loss of losing their two center backs, uh, they lost Ramos, which is a very big weakness in my opinion. But they, they're proving while they're in first place. We're still here. We're still we're still the best. With and I and I agree. Like I I don't want to agree. I I hate Real Madrid, right? But the way that things are looking, I have to admit, like they are the better team. Uh, I'm in my opinion, I think that uh, I think Atletico Madrid's gonna win. Like Real Madrid's kind of been letting their guard down with this first place. And look at Atletico, you see you see them really pushing. I mean, I've really got to see, like, uh, in the Barca game, I really saw, like, how they play now. Uh, I've, I haven't really seen that type of – I haven't really seen how they play since uh, since Griezmann was playing for Atletico Madrid. Also, Griezmann's debut for Atletico. But anyways, we have to wrap this up. up. I'm Lara Futa, and this is, this is Global Soccer. Hello and welcome to Inside the Diamond Baseball Podcast with your hosts, Reed Flowers, Rafael Arroyo, Jackson McPhail, and William Atherton. Um, and welcome again to Inside the Diamond Baseball Podcast. Today we will be talking about a few things. Actually, we will be... For the most part, talking about postseason, this will be pretty much a postseason episode. Uh, talking about the wild card games and our predictions for the playoffs. Um, yeah, let's hop right into it. The Dodgers and the Cardinals. Yeah, kind of boring game from the start. The Cardinals scored in the first inning. Uh, that's all I watched. Like this scored on a pass ball, and. They end in a dreadful way as Chris Taylor hit a walk-off two-run home run to left field. That was very tough. I was rooting for the Cardinals. How about the AL? I was really disappointed in the Cardinals, honestly. I really think they could have played better. But, uh, oh, well, you know, we can't change it. Yeah. Uh, so exciting, but at the end, uh, Chris Taylor hit the home run, and that's Um, yeah, and 
the other game, who who was it? It was the it was which team was it? The the AL game. The AL game was Red Sox Yankees. Red Sox Yankees. Oh my gosh, I, I forgot. Oh, Stanton, the biggest matchup in the entirety of the MLB. Stanton versus the Green Monster. Yeah. Was a, a, they said he uh, would have hit three home runs in either in other in any other ball, ballpark. Yeah, the only yeah. Oh my gosh, him versus Fenway Stadium. He is that was crazy because he probably hit like the hardest single I've ever seen, and he pimped the absolute heck out of it. And everybody thought it was gone. Me, you, your grandma, everybody thought it was gone. And um, but he ended up only getting the first because it bounced off the very top of the green monster. And that was tragic. Also, that ju- that play with uh, Judge getting thrown out at home. Yeah, that was crazy. Great and play by Hunter Renfro and uh, I think it was Renfro Center over Duga. I can't remember. And Bogarts got him at home by a mile. Yep, and and um, not as well known picture. Um, Nathan Eovaldi shut down the Yankees completely. Um, he had a, a really great yeah, game. Yeah, he also he is also the major league leader for, leader for FIP FIP. I I don't know what that stands for, but it's definitely a good category. Uh, Garrett Cole, absolute garbage. Oh my gosh! And it's it's music to my ears. Um, listening to the announcers really like just bang him up. They were going at Garrett Cole the whole time. It was it was. Um, kind of funny. Um, yeah, and they were just talking about him, not not very greatly. Um, yeah, I think that's kind of what he deserves the whole substance thing. I guess a lot of people were doing it, but he really had a tough time coming back from it. I guess he really truly did rely on foreign substance to pitch well. And um, so let's talk about the division series for the AL. The first, uh, we're gonna talk about Astros White Sox. Astros White uh, Sox. Um, that I've is got, nice. I've got the Astros in four personally. I think that their team is just gonna keep their little hot streak going. I think they're definitely gonna win. I am biased. I'm an Astros fan, but I do think they can win against the deepest bullpen and probably the best pitching staff in the league. Second best. Definitely. Um. Well, also the Astros, I think we all know how it goes with the um, White Sox in the playoffs. They they have done really great in this season, and I've really enjoyed watching them. They have a, a great offensive team. Where they, they hit a lot of base hits, and they get, a lot, they get on base a bunch. They score a lot. Um, but I think that in the playoffs, I think they will choke a little bit. That, that, that might be a little biased, but – that's my like true belief because that's what's happened before. That's what's happened in previous years. Um, but the Astros have, have shown to be good in the playoffs and shown to know what it takes to win. Um, White Sox, though, they don't. Their team is, has like no playoff, not not none, but not much playoff experience. And I do think the Astros, their team is just too good in the playoffs. And I really think they're gonna come home with the division series win. Astros, I'm not, this is probably my most hyped game of the season. I think it's going to be a really good game tonight. Definitely going to be watching it. And uh, honestly, I don't think the White Sox can win it this time. Um, yeah, well, 
Um, let's talk about what are the other Jackson, do you have any idea what the other games are? I have not been looking at that. The other <laughs> but, say that again, read I that catch that. The other postseason games. Oh, the NLDS. Uh we'll talk about the Bray. Let's talk about the other ALDS games. The Rays and the Red Sox. Ooh. Rays are three. <laughs> Um, team, a hundred win team, and I just think you're gonna blow the doors off the Rays. I'm feeling um, the same way as the Brewers versus Braves in the NL. And the Brewers are just they have the best pitching staff in the league, and they're just gonna crush the Braves. Yeah, I, I agree. They um, they have been a great team. They've been a good offensive team. Reed, do you have any opinion on the Giants versus Dodgers? Oh, Giants are gonna blow the actually. Actually, 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 the Dodgers have a lot of players that have great experience in the bigs and great experience in the playoffs. Um, the, the, the Giants have had the Giants have way more wins. Wait, do the, the Giants have more wins, right? Yeah. Giants have more wins. Giants have, have one won. more. I think one more win or the same amount of wins. And, uh, yeah. Giants have one hundred seven. The Dodgers have one hundred six. Yeah. Um, yeah, but the, the, the Dodgers, I think that'll be a really great offensive game. It'll be a really good offensive game. Yeah, we done. And, um, yeah, um, there's a little bit of noise over here. Um, I think that will do it. Thank you for tuning in to Inside the Diamond Baseball Podcast. Once, Once again, you're your host, Jackson McPhail. McPhail. Rafael Roy. And William Masterton. Thank you for listening at Inside the Diamond. Have a great day. One night. Welcome to MLB On The Line with Harris Mann, Isaac Allison, Connor McSorley, and Jack Botros. Today we will be discussing the two wildcard games in both divisions, um, the NLDSs and the ALDSs. And since the season just ended, the MVP Cy Youngs and Rookie of the Years this year. Um, first, let's talk about the AL wildcard game because that was Tuesday. Yeah. All right. So it was... It was a good game at first, but the Red Sox just kind of pulled ahead with that Schwarber home run. But I feel like if they hadn't sent him, the game would have changed a lot. What are y'all's thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that the game would change a lot. The Yankees, I'm glad that they're not on the playoffs. Very overrated team. They have the talent and they have the second. They get paid. They have the, they're the second most richest team in MLB behind the Dodgers. They have all the talent, but they cannot produce. I'm glad that they get what they deserve. The Yankees team, they always go far but lose. Terrible team. What do you think yeah, about Xander the... Bogart. Xander Bogart. I would never run on Xander Bogart. Xander Bogart is the best shortstop in the league. Or Trey Turner. Those two are the two best. Uh, Tatis is not the best shortstop in the league. He's also he's probably one of the most over. He is the most overrated player in the league. Um, I think that Xander Bogart is a great shortstop. He's going to win Gold Glove for his position, and it's a great, great guy. Hits home runs, he hits, he can run, he can field. Yeah, I would have not sent him. What do you think, Isaac? You think they should have sent him or no? 
They should. Really, because I think Gallo would have hit in that run if he hadn't, if they hadn't sent him. But all right, an opinion is an opinion. What about you, Connor? I think I don't think they should have sent him. Yeah, most people are saying that because that was a very unwise decision. You're not going to run on Xander Bogarts with Aaron Judge, who's not very fast. But, I mean, I don't think the game would have changed that much. Maybe, well, if Gallo, like, I think it changed the momentum a little bit. So, I think they would have gotten those two runs, but it really depends on how you look at it. Um, Let's move over to the NL wildcard, an overall insane game. It was tied one to one until the bottom of the ninth with that walk off home run by Chris Taylor. Let's walk you through the game. In the first inning, uh, it started out first and second, and then there was a wild pitch, second, first and third. And then Arnado comes up to the plate with one out, and there's a wild pitch, and they score a run. It stays like that till about the fourth inning. Max Scherzer and Adam Wainwright just both dealing. And then Adam Wainwright just hangs a curveball right over the center of the plate to Justin Turner, and he demolishes it about 440 feet um and that gave the Dodgers some life at that point um they scored that run and then Scherzer got pulled in the fifth inning a very controversial decision but they ended up winning so it didn't really matter but Wainwright was pitching very well I don't think they should have pulled him although they did get out of that jam with him but the last inning two outs yeah yeah can I I add something I feel so bad for Alex Reyes. He's he was put in on the last out of the game, and the one thing he did was give up a home run to lose it. He had one job, and that's to strike him out. The poor guy. He's a young guy. He hanged a curveball, and he, oh yeah, well it wasn't even ball. a curveball. He threw a slider outside of the zone, and Turner just, or Taylor. No, that's no, just right down the middle. He just comes it. and gets it. I just saw it. it's right down the middle. It was, he hanged it, and Chris. Taylor's demolished it. Great guy. Yeah, he yanked um, that. He yanked that slider all yeah, from all the way it, across the zone. It. He just yanked it over the fence. Yeah, Although, I thought that was going to be a triple off the bat. I didn't know it was going to go out until like I saw it for like last three seconds. It was Although it wouldn't really have mattered, even, unless O'Neill would have like made an amazing catch. If it did stay in the ballpark, he would he would need to catch the. He would need to make an insane diving play, and then he'd need to uh, get Bellinger, keep Bellinger from tagging up. Because remember, no. they also have yeah, they have a good part of their lineup up after Taylor. Bellinger's highlight of the season is running in that that walking in that home run. He's only done terrible this season. Bellinger, I hope he bounces back next season. He's a he has tons of talent. Maybe this is just an off year, just like Francisco Lindor. Be- maybe it was the hair. Uh, I mean, he shaved his head and he did pretty well. So maybe. Yeah. Uh, what are y'all's thoughts on the game, Connor and Isaac? Isaac, you first. Isaac, what did you think about the game? You think it was hard fought? You think it was a good game? I think it was a good game. It was a pretty good game in Miami. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, Connor, what are your thoughts? You think the Dodgers should have beat them by more, or it was just a hard fought game by them? Um, the Dodgers did a, did a good job. Beat them a little bit more points, at least. Um, all right, moving on to the NLDSs, um, you have the number 
or no, not number one. You have the Brewers and the Braves, the BR teams, but it's going to be very interesting watching this because Devin Williams just broke his hand and the Braves don't have Acuna, but the Braves are known for their hitting and the Brewers are more of a pitching team. So it's going to be a hard fought battle because if the Brewers can match the Braves hitting hit for hit, Brewers have this series in the bag, but if the Braves just continue to hit like they have in the regular season, it's just going to be a blowout series. What are y'all's thoughts? Uh, I think that the Braves need to pull up some hitting talent. They don't put up that talent, man. They're going to be down. They're going to get crushed. It's going to be a blowout. It's going to be a blowout series. That's a tough, tough, tough series. I think that they need to like have step up their game and just go crazy. The Braves, when the Braves start hitting well, they start hitting. Like they put on like almost they put on twenty runs on the Marlins uh this season or last season it was twenty nine last year twenty nine to nine that was an amazing oh, game that was crazy yeah they can hit Isaac who do you think should win the series you think it's be Brewers or Braves I think it's gonna be the Braves I think they're gonna pull it out yeah I I agree with you they've been hitting all year and with the new addition of Jorge Soler I don't think they can really do any wrong. Um, what about you, Connor? I have to agree with you and Isaac on this. All right, so that's all votes on Braves. So let's see if the Brewers pull out of the hat or the Braves just blow them out. Okay, moving on to the uh, Giants and Dodgers series. That is going to be an amazing game. Uh, they have the new edition of Chris Bryant, which will be Pretty good for them. But then you also have the Dodgers, who they played fairly well in the wild card game, just not as good as they should have, I don't think. Um, but I really think that the Giants, they're kind of the underdog team here. Yes, I know they have the best record in the National League, but they really, like, no one expected this from them. And I think the Dodgers are taking advantage of that. So I, yeah. I re- I'm rooting for the underdogs here, but it's going to be close. Yeah, I'm. I love those two teams. I'm loving how the Giants are producing talent this year. It's great to see them back. They haven't. They've been rusty for a long, long time. 2012 was the last time they won a World Series. Uh, I'm super glad to see them back. It's a great team, great ball club. Lots of history and a lot, a lot of records are on that ball club. Uh, they have great. They have great. They have uh, great hitting. Brandon Crawford, Buster Posey, who else? Uh, Chris Bryant, they can all hit. They can all hit. So today we're going to – that series, the Dodgers and the Giants, I am predicting that the Giants are going to win the series. Yeah, I kind of agree with you. I'm hoping that they take the dub, but if not, you know, a game's a game. It's baseball. What about you, Isaac? What do you think? Do you think the Dodgers are going to pull it out of the hat, the wild card team, or do you think the Giants are just going to put in the bag and take it to the yes. The Dodgers did well in their last game, so I have to put my bets on them. Well, when you think about it, they were playing the Cardinals, and they only won by two. So if they're going to be shaky against a team like that, they better up their game against the Giants. But, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, what about you, Connor? How do you feel about this game? You think it's going to be the Dodgers or Giants? I think it's going to be the Giants. Yeah, you so that's three votes Giants, one vote Dodgers. Isaac, you're the lone man standing there. But let's just see how this series plays out. 
Um, next, we have the, let's move to the AL. We have um, the Red Sox and the Tampa Bay Rays. That's going to be a fairly good game. And then you have the Astros and White Sox. Let's start with the Rays and the Red Sox because that's the number one team against the wild card team. I think it's going to be the Rays just because they've destroyed the Red Sox this year, but the Red Sox should pull it out of the hat. They've been playing great lately, so let's just see how it plays out. What about you, Harris? What do you think? Yeah, I think the Red Sox are going to pull it out. I really think the Red Sox are, should win, man. I'm rooting for them. They beat the Yankees, big-time team, big talent. Joey Gallo, Aaron Judge, Garrett Cole, uh, DJ LeMahieu, John Carlos Stanton. They beat that team. They should deserve to go to do great in the playoffs. They deserve that win. Great hitters coming out of nowhere. Kyle Schwarber, we didn't expect him to do anything this year. Hitting nukes. Big guy, what do you mean? He's been hitting bombs all year. What do you mean we didn't expect anything from him? Come on. I didn't expect anything from him. I thought he was just a home run hitter. He can't produce any hits. But when he gets a hold of that ball, he slams it. I think Xander Bogart's best shortstop in the league. And yeah. AL. Best shortstop in AL. All right, um, Isaac, what do you think? Who do you think's going to win this year? Is he going to be Rays or Red Sox? I got to put all my bets on Red Sox. You think they're going to put her out of the hat this year? Think yeah. gonna destroy them? Yeah. People have been rooting for their wild card lately. Let's see. Let's see if they bring it home. Uh, what about you, Connor? You think it's going to be Red Sox or you think it's going to be Rays? The number one team or the wild card? I have to go with the Red Sox. Yeah, y'all are rooting for the underdog teams today. So let's see how this series plays out. I'm the only person see, thinking that the Rays are going to win. But let's just see how this plays out. It was kind of sad to see the Blue Jays not yeah, making yeah, yeah. it. But yeah, I, it was... I think the Rays are a great team. They have really low They have really low money. Like, uh, let's see. Um, uh, let's move on to the Astros well, against hold on, hold on, hold on. Chicago. Uh, so, let's see. The, who's, like, the poorest? They're one of, like, the poorest teams. Yeah, they're the... 20, the 28th poorest team in baseball. They're like really yeah. poor. For, yeah, but they're they've, not, they're not. they've been farming and developing their players. All right, let's yeah, go to the Astros and White Sox. They're making baseball history. They have okay. little money, but they produce great talent. No one else can do that. Yeah, now let's move on to Astros and White Sox. Um, first off, I think we should discuss the pitching. The Astros do not have great pitching. The White Sox, they have Lucas Giolito, who I think is going to pick it up in the playoffs. But... Their hitting has both of the teams hitting has been great lately. So let's see how this goes. Um, yeah. My prediction is that it's going to be the Astros pulling it out of the hat. Um, what about you, Harris? Yeah, I think it's going to be it's like this, like that the White Sox have great pitching, but the Astros have great hitting. The Astros have good hitting, but the White Sox don't. It's like the, it's literally like pitchers versus hitters. It's going to be the Astros yeah. players hitting and the White Sox players pitching. It's, it's yeah. going to be a funny series. I really hope the Ashers are going to win, but if the White Sox do put up their pitching like they can, they're, they they have a good chance of winning, but I think the Ashers are going to pull it out. I hope they go to the uh, pennant and the Ashers go to the World Series, but I'm an Ashers fan. I can't – it's really biased, but yeah, I there's other teams out there that are really scary. All right, Isaac, uh, what do you think? you think it's going to be the White Sox or you think the Ashers are going to destroy him? I'm not sure. Both teams have been doing pretty well. 
Yeah, so you're undecided. All right, what do you think, Connor? You think it's going to be the White Sox or the Astros? I have to go with the Astros. Yeah, they've been a pretty good team all year, so it's going to be a fun series. It's going to be interesting. Okay, so now let's move on to our final topic. We're just going to go over who we think, our predictions. So for MVP-wise, uh, my we're all just going to say our AL picks. Um. For my AL pick, I think it's got to be Shohei. Like, when yeah. you can pick it that good, there's yeah, just no other. Shohei, Shohei deserves it. Uh, I really like Vladdy. really like Vladdy, But I really think Shohei deserves it. Shohei pitched, hit. He does everything. Everything. He's a, literally, he's like the 10-tool player. Like, he's going to win. Moving it. along, um, Isaac, do you think it's going to be Shohei or Vladdy that wins the MVP? It's between those two. Who do you think, Isaac? Maybe Shohei or Vladdy? Okay, the almost triple crown winner. Okay, what about you, Connor? Shohei or Vladdy? Vladdy. Okay. Um. Now, so we have two votes for Vladdy, two votes for Shohei. Let's just see how this goes. Um, now let's go to the NL. I think we all know who's going to win the MVP. Let's say it on three, guys. One, two, three. It's going to be Bre- It's going to be Trey Turner. Bryce There's Harper. no. Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper. No. You see, the, you see the number Trey Turner has been putting up? Come on. Bryce Harper's winning MVP. I'm sorry. Bryce Harper's winning MVP for the NL. It's Bryce Harper. No one. No, it's Bryce Harper. It's Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper needs to win MVP. Okay. I agree with Harris. I'll bet you a million dollars. All right, fine. Um, now let's just go to Rookie of the Year real quick. For the AL, I think it's going to be Randy Rose, Randy. He's just been putting up insane numbers. He looks like a veteran, but he's still a rookie. Um, and then in the NL, I think it might be Dylan Carlson because of how well he he was hitting with the Cardinals. I just think he's going to be the one that brings them. Um, yeah, and I think that's it. Okay, thank you for listening to MLB On The Line with Harris Mann, Isaac Allison, Connor Turley, and Jack Botros. Um, keep watching baseball, folks, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Hello, and welcome back to NFL Best of the Week. I am joined here by Matthew, Noah, and Head. And um, I'm just going to talk about the first team. Sorry, the first matchup we're going to talk about today. And that is the Falcons and the Washington football team. It was a pretty, it was an, a pretty good game. It came down to a last-minute touchdown by the Washington football team. Um, both teams probably could have improved on a couple things. It was a pretty high-scoring game, however. And it was 34-30. to and uh, def- Washington's defense could have done better, and their offense did pretty good, but overall could have done a little better also. Same thing with the Falcons, but more on the offensive side than the defensive side. What do you guys have to say about that? Yeah, so it was a really, it was a really close game, ending up with a Washington victory. Um, obviously, like you just said, it wasn't good defensively. It was great offensively. And also on special teams, it was really good. 
Uh, it was pretty good. Washington uh, had a full kick return. Had a kick return it, uh, for a touchdown. And so, really, you know, the defense on all aspects just didn't do good. Yeah, and uh, the best players from this game were the two quarterbacks. They both played well. Matt Ryan for the Falcons, passing for 280 yards and four touchdowns. And Taylor Heineke for the Washington, passing for three touchdowns, 290 yards. And another uh, great player in this game was Cordero Patterson, who scored three touchdowns and had like a more than 100 yards from scrimmage. 120 yards in scrimmage, and uh, yeah, he played pretty well. Yeah, so like they let Cordero Patterson get open, like the the Falcons let them let him get open, which which gave him the three touchdowns and the 120 uh, yards. So that that was their mistake on uh, on defense for the Falcons. And, and also, one of those instances in which they let him get open led to a touch, a 42-yard touchdown. He was stationed in the back of the end zone, and the Falcons had him double-teamed, and he just stepped in front of him. And I don't know what they were thinking. He just caught it, and they, they were looking at each other like, what just happened? Um, and a couple of other defensive things they could have done better, such as um, their their didn't get very many sacks. Like, I don't think there were, there was only like two sacks in the entire game. It was quite impressive. So the defensive lines definitely did not do as well as they could have done. Um, yeah, so obviously defense didn't do well. And uh, I think now it's time to move on to the next game. Uh, so the next game we're going to be talking about is the New York Giants versus the New Orleans Saints. Uh, so, Matthew, how did you think that game went? So it was a really good victory for the Giants and a horrible loss for the Saints. The Giants, this was definitely their best game they've played all year. Uh, the Saints, uh, their offense looked very bad. And their defense, of course, gave up 27 points to the Giants, which is just not good at all. And uh, Daniel Jones for the Giants had 402 yards passing and only one interception and two touchdowns. So he played really well. And Saquon Barkley for the Giants, the running back, had uh, about 100 yards total and uh, one receiving and one rushing touchdown. Yeah. So the so for the uh, the running game for the Saints, for the the running game for the Saints was actually really good. Alvin Kamara got 120 uh, yards rushing, which was really good for the, the Saints. But their pass game was not as good as their running game. Yeah, and speaking of their running game, they relied on the running game and the passing game pretty equally with 170 yards and 250, nah, 235 yards, respectively. Although they definitely, although Alvin Kamara got 120 yards on 26 carries, he did not score any touchdowns. Those touchdowns went to T. Hill, who ironically only had 28 yards and six carries. 
but he also had 26 yards and two receptions. So he got like about 60 yards, which compared to Alvin Kamara's 120 is not that much, but he still got two touchdowns. So um, the quarterback was probably preferring him when it came to um, getting the touchdowns in. Um, so this game, it was obviously a really close game. It went into overtime, the score 20-22, and the Giants uh, were able, because of, Saqu- uh, because of Saquon Barkley, they were able to score a touchdown on the first drive to win the game. The Saints were never able to get the ball to know, you know, fight back. So we'll never know what they could have done. And also, uh, Graham Gano, the kicker for the Giants, uh, uh, missed the field goal. Uh, he's 37 for 38, uh, and it was a rare miss. It wouldn't have got. He, they wouldn't have gone into overtime if he didn't have missed that field goal. They did end up winning the game. It didn't cost them the game. But, you know, kicking this year has just been not the, not good at all. Yeah, and now I think it's time to move on to our next game, which is Titans versus Jets. Uh, Titans lost to the Jets in overtime, 27-24. to 24. Uh, Titans were missing their two best receivers, Julio Jones and A.J. Brown. That played a big uh, factor in them losing this game. They really... Well, actually, they passed the ball pretty well, but they had to rely on their uh, subpar receivers, Nick Westbrook, Akina, and Chester Rogers. And their leading receiver ended up being their backup running back, Jeremy McNichols. Derrick Henry, though, had a great game, 157 yards and a touchdown on 33 carries. Of course, he's going to tear up this bad Jets defense, but it just wasn't enough to get them the win. So the for the Jets, like the Jets, this was their first win of the season, which was a big surprise because they they faced against the Titans, which which had a really like a like a a decent start in the season, but as uh, as Matthew said, the uh, that Titans had a lot of uh, receivers that were injured, which caused them to lose the game. Yeah. Um, I don't really know what to say right now, but I think I'm just going to talk about, like, how the New York Jets, they won on a walk-off field goal in the, yeah, in OT. It was a close game overall. Um, New York Jets definitely relied a lot on passing. They only had 66 rushing yards. Their top rusher only getting 38 yards and 13 carries. For the receiving... Corey Davis, he definitely ruled it. Um, he had 111 yards on, amazingly, four receptions, which was really impressive. He had a 53-yard reception that I'm pretty sure led to a touchdown. Um, he did, however, have seven targets, meaning he missed three. and But still pretty impressive getting 111 yards on four receptions. That's really hard to do. And uh, one more thing to, you know, talk about is how uh, Zach Wilson, the quarter, the rookie for the Jets, he played well this game, but he didn't, you know, he made mistakes. He missed some easy passes, you know, the, some passes that you should be making. But we'll see what he can do. If he can just fix his 
accuracy, you know, we'll see he could lead the, the Jets. You know, if they could really work on the defense, Zach Wilson, I feel, could lead the Jets to a, a big season. And I think really um, there's not much else to say. Uh, does anyone else want to add something on? No, I think we're done. Thank you guys for listening, and see you next week. Bye. This is your host, Ruslan Golshan, on NFL Top News, starring me, Rushuli, and our co-hosts, Ibrahim and Bodhi. Uh, Today's first topic will be the Bills' upcoming season. I think the Bills will be a really good team this year, um, if not one of the best. Maybe the Cardinals, the Rams, maybe there'll be some opposing forces. But, yeah, people say they've been playing bad teams, but they've been blowing out these top-tier NFL teams. They're, they're no joke. Um, for example, my home team, the Texans, they got 40 owed. That's pretty bad. Anyway, next topic is the rookie quarterbacks and the quarterbacks throughout the NFL. Um, Trevor Lawrence has not been performing, but it's not really his fault. Um, he has a really bad lineup around him. Not a really good O line. He doesn't. He only has like around two to three seconds to throw the ball. Pretty bad. Um, Zach Wilson. I think that's his name on the Jets. He's doing okay. Yeah, we brought the Jets. I think to victory against a team that was didn't expect it. Um, but he's not even that bad. Um, Mac Jones for the Patriots. He's doing okay. Um, they played. Yeah, yeah. We'll leave that to Bodie to talk about. And the last one is the New York Giants. I forgot his name, but he's pretty bad. Um, there's not really any any excuse. I think they're gonna draft a new QB next draft. Um, the Giants have no chance of the any kind of title in the next, I think, like four years. But it's going pretty good. Next off is the Jaguars backup QB. Um, I don't know. He's a good asset. Um, he has All Star caliber. Like stats at his time because he was playing with the same team that Trevor Lawrence was in and was putting up um, better stats, in my opinion. And I think yeah, he deserves a starting job on some team, maybe Giants or somewhere. Next off is um, the Panthers outworking Christian McCaffrey. Um, McCaffrey, um, he's, a, he's one of the best of this decade at running back at his position. Um, but they're outworking him. They're not giving the QB for the Panthers any uh, room to actually guide the offense, and they're just giving to McCaffrey and letting him run. Yeah, sure, it has worked, but McCaffrey is starting to look not as explosive as he is. And I saw the other game where his he looked like he was kind of limping on his like thigh or knee or whatever. Next is um Kansas City. They're not looking that good. Um, and I think that's kind of general manager's fault they signed a bunch of high contracts to the offense like Patrick Mahomes for example for like 200 million but they have a really bad defense um if they go against like a run heavy offense they're kind of screwed that's why they're one and two I think right now and they're not doing the best um that's all for me um that is everything uh hello my and uh, last week, uh, former Seattle cornerback Richard Sherman was added to the Buccaneers roster. Uh, this addition to the Buccaneers secondary was very much needed due to the Buccaneers secondary roster. Richard Sherman is an all-star caliber 
player, but with the recent events in his life, it might be a bit hard for him to bounce back. He was on trial for attempting to break into his in-laws' home and was fortunately uh, caught on video. He pleaded innocent on five misdemeanor charges, including trespassing, driving under influence, and two case of, cases of domestic violence. Sherman was freed due to me uh, mental illness plead, and he also stated that he was very sorry for all of the damage he did up until now. He has now turned his life in a positive direction and doing therapy to work on himself. And uh, back to his football career, he now has a full one-year, $2.25 million deal with the Buccaneers and has an insured 500K guarantee for joining them in this 2021 to 2022 season. Thank you. That's it. Been able to definitely pass it down the field to uh, to Deshaun to uh, to DeAndre Hopkins, and he's been able to catch it. Uh, even with a game-winning touchdown on the Hail Mary that he just threw up, and uh, I mean somehow got into DeAndre Hopkins' hands. And uh, JJ Watt hasn't been performing his best. He's not as explosive as he used to be, and he's still waiting for that first QB sack. He has 17 pressures though. And so far, he's been doing pretty. He's been doing all right. He hasn't been his JJ Watt Texans self like in his prime. That he's been doing pretty good. Uh, I mean, next will be Tom Brady versus the Patriots. Uh, the game was actually a lot closer than I thought. I thought the Bucks would definitely just blow them out, but it was a nine to seventeen win with the Bucks. Pretty much in the game for Tom Brady because uh, I mean, he would never expect he would never expect that he would be going back to the that he would leave the Patriots to go to the Bucks and then come back and beat them on his home turn. He uh, tied, he is now one of the four quarterbacks that have victories over four joining Drew Brees, Brett Favre, and Steve Manning. Also really cool, does that mean that he broke a record against one of his old teams that he won six champ six Super Bowls with or seven Super Bowls with? Some run there, but uh, he actually he actually did pretty good. Uh, he had a is 20 for 43 and did pretty good. And uh, it came down to a field goal at the very end. They're down 16-17, and Brady got them down the field, and they just scored in the end. Well, they kicked that field goal to take the lead. video of him played uh, as like a memorial thing for him leaving the team and then going to the Bucks. I thought that it was pretty cool. It was like him walking through all the years of what he did with the Patriots and like how he did with the Patriots and all that type of stuff. I thought it was cool. And uh, well, that's all I really have to talk about. Uh, Rustin. Rustin. Um, thank you for listening to NFL Top News. You'll be back again next week. I'll see you later. Hello, I'm your host, Sean Allen. Joined today by my partner, Adam Dawson, and my superior, Issa Padre. Today, today we'll be discussing what we are expecting from certain teams in the upcoming season. 
I will be taking the Washington Wizards roster and team. I will be talking about the Los Angeles Lakers. And I'll be talking about the Brooklyn Nets. I'll go first. The Brooklyn Nets have assembled a title contender over the past years. In the 2018 NBA season, the Nets didn't have a single piece of their current big three. They got acquired Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden, who can each be considered superstars by themselves in the last three years. They got Kevin Durant in a sign-and-trade with the Golden State Warriors, where they agreed to give Durant a four-year, $164 million deal. And this also gave Kyrie Irving a max contract after he was an unrestricted free agent after his short stint with the Boston Celtics. James Harden was traded to the Nets as part of a three-team trade with the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Rockets. Brooklyn sent Jared Allen and Tarion Prince to Cleveland and Paris over Ron Dion's Cooler, as well as four first-round pick swaps and three first-round picks to Houston. The Nets also got Don, or the Rockets, sorry, the Rockets also got Dante Exum into another first-round pick from the Cavaliers. Cleveland also sent a second-round pick to the Nets to top off the trade. The Nets seemed like a title contender in the East, beating out teams like the Milwaukee Bucks and Miami Heat. Although the team most likely to edge out the Nets for a final experience would be the Bucks, seeing as they were last year's NBA champions, have the latest MVP in Giannis Antetokounmpo. They have Giannis Antetokounmpo on their team, as well as a great supporting cast to help them, including Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday, who are both former All-Stars. The Nets also signed a new head coach, as Steve Nash will attempt to lead this year's Nets team to a championship. The former NBA star is also a two-time back-to-back MVP and Hall of Famer. Nash was known to be one of the best playmakers ever, and maybe that skill will help him as a coach, seeing as making plays is a big part of the job. I think the biggest challenge the Nets will face is staying healthy, as Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant tend to get injured, which would leave the team to play one or two without one or two of their stars and core players, which will affect how ever player plays. If the Nets can stay healthy, I think they'll be a team most likely to get to the finals from the Eastern Conference, where they would have to face off against another great team, such as the Lakers, Suns, or even the Jazz. Now to Sean Allen to talk about the Wizards. This season of NBA, the Washington Wizards have traded away Russell Westbrook to the Lakers, making the Lakers one of the most powerful teams, if not the in the NBA. Meanwhile, the Lakers, I mean, the Wizards, still have Bradley Beal on their team. But last, last time, last game on Tuesday, we still lost against the Rockets, but I think a contributing factor to our we lost is that we had four players on the bench because they were out for many reasons, including Michael. Now to Adam Gospin talking about the Lakers. This year, the Lakers have acquired Carmelo Anthony and DeAndre Jordan, Russell Westbrook, and Dwight Howard to play along with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, one of the best scorers in the league. With Westbrook added to the team, scoring will be no problem for the Lakers. One topic that has come up when talking about the Lakers is that, is that they're a very old team. The Los Angeles Lakers were established in 1947, which would make them 74 years old. Going uh, back Adam, to that, Adam, Adam, if I can, 
I think when people mean that, they say the players on the team are older, not, not the team itself. The age of the team doesn't affect how the team performs. The players' age affects how the player performs, which then affects how the team performs. Sorry, just got to say that. Yeah, that is true. Now, going back to the 2020 postseason, the Lakers lost in the first round. The main reason for their loss is because LeBron and Davis were injured. I'm not saying that they would have won a championship, but the odds of them winning could have been much higher if their two best players were not injured. The Lakers will also have some competition in the Western Conference, with the Golden State Warriors getting Klay Thompson back from injury to join Steph Curry, who was the top scorer in the league last season, and Draymond Green, who is still a great defender when he puts in the effort. Another team that has shown they could clutch up in the playoffs are the Phoenix Suns. The Suns went to the finals last season, where they lost in six games to the Milwaukee Bucks. While their big three of Devin Booker, Chris Paul, and DeAndre Ayton might not be as recognizable as the Lakers' big three of LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Russell Westbrook, the, the Suns' big two are younger with DeAndre Jordan and Devin Booker only being 24 years old as opposed to LeBron James and Russell Westbrook being over 32. Though Chris Paul might be the oldest out, out of the two big threes, his play style is also the least affected by age, and it mostly consists of creating shots for him and his teammates, while players like Russell Westbrook and LeBron James like to play the game rougher and get in the paint more often, like Paul uses for finesse, uh, more finesse, which leads to less chances of being injured. Ryan, what are you doing? That would be on the Thank you for watching. This was me, Sean Allen. I'm Issa Kadri. And I'm Adam Gospin. And thank you for watching. This is the real football. I'm your host, Gordon Edrick, David Camerlo, and Andrea Ermoli. Today we will be talking about Serie A predictions, Nation League predictions, and going over past games. And we will be talking about some new Adidas cleats. So yesterday we had Spain versus Italy, which Spain came on top two to one. Um, two goals by Ferran Torres and a goal by Luca Pellegrini in the last ten minutes of the game. In minute 42, Leonardo Bonucci got a red card. It was his second yellow card, which led to a goal pretty much right after he got sent off. Um, and then later today, we have Belgium versus France. And I think France is going to win with maybe a goal from, I feel like Karim Benzema is going to score. I feel, I, yeah. feel, I feel that Belgium is going to win because, you know, everybody thinks that France is this team with, like, the fanciest players. But I think that Belgium has the courage and the mentality that they need to win. They have Kevin De Bruyne in the midfield. They have Lukaku, and they have uh, Hazard. So I think they're going to do really good this game. I, think, I agree with DL, but uh, I think France is going to win. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, what do you think the score is going to be? Could be a possible 2-0, uh, maybe? Yeah? Uh, what about you, Andre? I say 3-1 from Belgium. I say 4-2 France. Oh, 3-2. Oh, all right. Yeah. All right, and next up we have Serie A. Predictions. 
predictions. Um, Serie A predictions, yes. Yeah. Um, so first up, we have Spezia versus Salernitana. And I think Spezia is going to win this yeah. one. Yeah. Probably maybe 1-0, 2-0. Not the biggest match right now, but both Not very struggling yeah. to fight yeah. off relegation. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. All right, next up, we have a pretty big game. Lazio Ooh. versus Inter Milan. I think um, that's a big game, but um, I think that Inter is gonna yeah. win because you know last year they had a bunch of good players and they sold Hakimi, they sold a bunch of other good players. So, but I still think that they have um, good players on that team, and then it's a team that could win this game. Lazio yeah. doesn't have much of a team this season. According to their main striking um, main striker, which we have Romelu Lukaku, who also left. But right now, Lutaro Martinez yes. and Eden Dzeko have been doing amazing. With Eden Dzeko with six goals and Lutaro Martinez with five. But there's also Chiro Mowgli with six goals for Lazio. Yeah, that is correct. All right, next up we have Milan versus Verona. I personally, from a Milan fan, I think Milan's going to win. I mean, I we have so much good. I'll have to agree with you on that one. Yeah, yeah, awesome. It's a a pretty clear game. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have Teo Hernandez, Brian Diaz. We have uh, Rafael Leao. We have Slatan Ibrahimovic. And Calabria also had a great game last game with an early, early goal. That one minute goal, yeah. Next up, we have Cagliari versus Sampdoria. I think this one's going to be a tough game, but I think Sampdoria is going to. I'm off on top. So do I. And it's sad to say because Cagliari have been in Serie A for so many years, and right now they're kind of struggling to stay up in Serie A. They're on yeah, not doing too almost at the bottom of the table. Actually, they, they are, are at the bottom yeah. of the table with twenty with only in 20th place. I mean, yeah. It's really sad because uh, last season they had Nangolian and Godin. But, uh, I mean, they still have them, but it's not uh, – that much of a performance. Right, he's kind of, I think he's injured at the moment and he's not performing. Yeah. Right, next one we have um, Udinese versus Bologna, which um, I think it'll also be a pretty good game to yeah. mid, yeah. uh, mid-table teams. I mean, Udinese them. just lost uh, the Paul, so I think it will be a tough game, but also uh, a very challenging opponent for Bologna. Right. I think Bologna is going to come on top. They also lost their main striker, um, uh, Kevin Lasagna last year to Verona, <laughs> and um, yeah, but I do. I actually think Bologna is gonna win. Um, maybe like a two to one, two zero. I agree. Yeah. yeah. Uh, next up we have uh, Genoa versus uh, Sassuolo. Um, um yeah. I think Sassuolo is gonna yeah. win. Yeah. Yeah. Sassuolo is uh, a pretty clear uh, win for me. Yeah, not yeah. not too much of an interesting game. Uh, after that. We have Empoli versus Atalanta, and uh, I think this one's kind of obvious. Atalanta with the win. Atalanta are in eighth place, while Empoli is in ten, so it would be pretty close to each other. But they did just lose against Roma last week, two yeah. zero. Uh, next um, match is. Uh... Hold up, we have some technical difficulties. Uh, uh, Napoli have... versus Torino. Um, this I, is a Napoli's tough game. Tough yeah, game. I do feel like Napoli is going to win because Napoli's they have like an really unbeaten good. streak yeah. and have not lost or tied a game. Well, Torino has been doing pretty well compared to last year, yeah. even though they just lost last um, week against. Yeah. I mean, uh, I agree. Napoli is a, a very strong team. Yeah, they're doing I, very good this season. 
I would be, like to see Torino come on top, though. Yeah. That'd be yeah. Uh, pretty cool. But, I mean, they have Insigne for the left wing. They have Mertens. They have, like, a bunch of other players. But, yeah, I think Napoli's a, a pretty cool Right. And Torino, um, Torino's main striker, Andrea Bellotti, is hurt at the moment. So yeah. maybe he can have a recovery game and maybe do well. Yeah. All right, next up, we have a really tough game. It's Juventus versus Roma, which I, as a Juventus fan, really hope Juventus can pull off this win. It will be a really tough game because yeah. Jose Mourinho has been doing really well with Roma right now. But I think it will be a good game, and I think Juventus can pull up on top 2-1. to one. I disagree. I think Roma is going to uh, win this game. I'm going to have to agree, yeah, Roma. The mentality of Jose Mourinho, if you look back on his history – he turns every team into like machines. They just struck like every team. I mean, it's it's incredible what he does. Right. I'm gonna have to go with Roma on this one. Yeah, he is one great coach. All right, next up we have Venezia versus Fiorentina. Um, right now uh, Fiorentina's Vlaovic um has been doing amazing. Um, a lot of teams are looking to pick him up. Um, but yeah, I do think Fiorentina's gonna win probably solid three zero. I agree. Yeah, yeah. And that's uh, that's it for match day eight. And next up, next up we have the Adidas cleats that we were talking about. Um, so three new cleats. It's the Adidas Predators, the Copa, and the Speed Flow. And um, they all went with the similar colors, but again, different design because they're all different, different cleats. Um, yeah, I'm thinking maybe of going looking at them and they look a really good in my opinion they are yeah. very bright though so for all the people that don't like bright colors these clips probably aren't meant for you the design yeah it's pretty cool but as i said bright colors all right yeah um, I mean. yeah so yeah um that it will be it for today's um that'll be it for today's podcast podcast yeah. and uh we will see you next week so thank you for listening to the real football yeah this is Andrea Armoli. This is and David Camarillo. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome back to the European Soccer Report. Welcome back to the European Soccer Report. This episode is brought to you by Federico Moratti, Blake Wilson, Preston Padgett. First, I want to say how Arsenal looks like they might be coming back. They're up in 11th now. It's not really high up, but it's better than that when they were in last place in the first few games. So they're not doing too badly up there. Can, can you hear me? Yes. Uh, yeah, I agree um, with the tie against Brighton, which is pretty good for Brighton. Speaking of Brighton, let's see how they're doing right now. Brighton's sticking strong at sixth place. Only one loss. Very good for them. Chelsea up in first after Liverpool and City tie. Very good game. Rodri came very clutch for City this week. With It was very, 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 very talented game. Many good players. Another tie. United Everton. Also another very, very high class, high skill game. In Liverpool game, Sadio Mane strikes first with a goal in the 59th. Then Phil Foden returns with a goal in the 69th minute. Then Mohamed Salah follows up with one in the 76th. 
and then a clutch second goal by Kevin De Bruyne to tie up the game. Yeah, yeah that that was a good Brighton, game. Speaking of Brighton, kind of tough tie against Crystal Palace. I felt like they could have done better, considering Crystal is really low down, all the way down in fourteen. Yeah. Yeah, I feel that Crystal Palace time. They they're still up, they're still up on top. So, I mean, we'll see if they go down again or if they stay up. Because so also, far they've been a pretty good surprise. Also, Southampton seventeen. Team. Another surprising team that I think is up there, and I think it's kind of shocking considering the teams that we expect to be in the top six. And that top seven, eight, et cetera, top ten is Brentford, actually. Brentford, I believe, got, I think they came up this year. So for them to be at seventh in their first year, I mean, it is the beginning of the year. It's still props to them. They're only, they're only, yeah, they're only one win away from third place. So, yeah, yeah they do. They yeah, but it's... They tied with Liverpool, which was very surprising. But again, it's still the start of the season, so we have to see how it keeps playing out. But so far, they've been doing good, yeah. Yeah, I think we can see some good things from Brentford. Um, just see. Also, Bundesliga, SC Freiburg, all the way up in four. I mean, seeing some pretty good matches. Last five matches, there's been three wins and two ties. Pretty good stats for them. Yeah, Friday is a team we typically don't see in the top four, with Wolfsburg at five and Leipzig sadly still the rock and eighth. That's not really good for them. Lucha and Gladbach at tenth, coming up a bit, and again relegation first Armenia and Bochum. So oh, yeah. Oh. Also, you want to see, uh, I want to talk about how Bayern lost to Eintracht Frankfurt incredibly 2-1 with an 83rd minute goal by Philip Kostic to put Frankfurt in front. Yeah, very surprising considering Bayern's on top of the league. You wouldn't want to see them, I don't want to see them losing like that. But, yeah. I mean, it's only one loss. And they're tied with Leverkusen, so I think they're going to do okay. Let's see if they can shake it off and keep going. Yeah. They've been winning the season for the past years, so it'll be kind of surprising to not see them on the top. Yeah. I mean, not nothing too exciting from British Lego. Um, kind of neutral. Um, most of the teams are trying to develop... The two main teams in Bundesliga have So, um, another thing that I want to add are the top goal scorers. As you look and you look up on Google, Holland, a youngster tied with Lewandowski. I'm interested to see who ends up amazing. getting the Yeah, amazing. Them Holland. Holland, really incredible. He, I think he could be... He's gonna grow up to be a great player. He's still young. What is he? Like Twenty-one years old. He's. I think he's gonna become a really good player. Yeah, we might have an upcoming star. Yeah, for sure. We'll have to see though. And in La Liga, Barcelona dropping even further down to nine with a recent loss against. Atletico de Madrid, 2-0. Well, it's not, 
It's not, it's not too big a surprise seeing how they started. I mean, Atletico Madrid isn't bad, but Barcelona have really dropped lately. So, yeah, and in, that game, in that game, Luis Suarez got a revenge against Barcelona. Yeah, did you see that Real Madrid lost to Espanyol this week? Yeah, yeah, that that's also that was that was crazy, man. It's a big surprise. Yeah, it was. You would expect a better performance coming from the number one seed right now. Atletico Madrid up there, Real Sociedad up there. Yeah, but yeah, Atletico Madrid, Real Madrid, Real Sociedad are all tied points. So, and Sevilla has three points behind, but a game behind. So, we'll see. And Atletico losing to Alaves, one zero. You would not expect that, considering Alaves is at the bottom of the league. Wow. Yeah. I expect more from them. Yeah, with the we'll stats see, for La Liga. Also not, here, we'll see how it plays out. Yeah, with the stats for La Liga, the top goal scores and a sister goes to Kareem Benzema, and it's not even close. He's not. He's, he's top goal scorer and a sister by a long shot. I could see Kareem Benzema going off this year and possibly winning the Ballon d'Or. But like he, he's going off. Seven assists with second place, having three, and nine goals in first with second place, having six. Those are incredible stats. Very, very good for him. They are incredible stats. But Ballon d'Or, I'm not so sure about that. But yeah, he's definitely a great player. And now in Serie A, I just want to say Fiorentina. They last year they were down in 13th place now they're all the way up in fifth they used to be a pretty good team then they dropped and now it looks like they're back up there again up in fifth almost tied against napoli this weekend but they ended up losing but pretty good team yeah for sure another second oh you go okay let's talk about how inter milan Milan. That was a really good game, pretty close. 3-2, surprised. Also, um, Lazio losing 1-0 against, or 3-0 actually against uh, Bologna, or is how we Americans pronounce it. Yeah, Bologna. Yeah, that was a pretty big surprise, but also Bologna aren't doing bad this season. They're doing pretty good, actually. Yeah, but yeah, for sure. One yeah. new game in um, Syria is Atalanta uh, Milan. Milan beat Atalanta, which is a surprise, I suppose. Yeah, 3 2. Very close despite, game. Yeah, despite Atalanta's loss, I think they put up a pretty good fight. I mean, you have to keep in mind that their two goals were very last minute goals. It had been 3-0. I mean, I think that the majority of the game, Atalanta, they weren't on their very best game. Yet they did have more possession, more shots. Um, I just think that they just didn't have their best game. They couldn't really connect. Only yeah. two out of the six shots on target. I mean, yeah. I, I kind of from like from a top, like from a top team in Serie A, uh, you kind of would expect more from that. Them, that's true, but uh, I just want to point out that. All the goals for Milan were huge defensive mistakes. First the keeper, then the center back. And also, the Milan injured the one of Atalanta's best players. So, that really hurt them. 
Moving on going to over to League One. Yes, yeah. this is what I was about to say. PSG losing 2-0 to Venice. Yeah, not something. Not something that you typically see from PSG. Yeah, definitely not. Especially because that's the first game they didn't win, right? Yeah. yeah. They have eight wins and one loss. So. That's pretty surprising. Yeah, it was a huge win. Lead, so. Leo had a very, very, very crucial win over Marseille. That win, that win put them in top ten again, and that's very good for them because yeah, but still, no, team, and I, I'd expect Leo to be up higher since last last season. They won the title over PSG. I mean, yeah, what well, a surprise! Jonathan David coming in clutch with the twenty-eight minute goal and to seal it off, uh, the fifth minute in overtime. That was. Really good. Also, another thing to talk about is how Leon tied with Say Etienne 1 1. Considering Say Etienne is at the bottom of the league and Leon is actually 10th. Wow, I did not expect that. Yeah, but Saint Etienne tied at the 95th minute with a penalty. So. Yeah, that um that game was a very crucial game early on because unlike other leagues, he, this league one is very tight, meaning that there aren't very many there aren't many, there's not very much room for errors, and even a tie can drop you down multiple spots. It's yeah, because they're all within two points of each other. Yeah, you see the score 24, 18, 16, 16, 14, 14. A very, very big pattern. Yeah, yeah, the only really huge gap is just the PSG. Yeah, by six points. The first place. Yeah. They, they, that, they're the only team that I think could have room for. And then Champions League upcoming matches Inter Milan Sheriff. Sheriff's beaten both teams so far in the group stage. I wonder if they're going to be able to beat Inter Milan too. Yes, definitely a game to look out for. Another very crucial game this week in the Champions League is City versus Club Brugge. Brugge oh, yes. is one and tied games. And if City want to have any kind of chance of staying in this, they really need to beat Club Brugge. I don't see that being very much of a problem. Leipzig, on the other hand, I do believe that if they leave, that they lose the PSG here, it will be very hard for them to come back. Yeah, I don't yeah. think Leipzig is going to come back. A good game. Atletico Madrid-Liverpool. Remember that Atletico, Atletico Madrid knocked out Liverpool in the Champions League two years ago. So we'll see how that goes. Yes. Also, Ajax Dortmund. Let's see how that plays out because these are both good teams. And then Man United against Atalanta. Yeah, very big week of um, very big day for Atalanta. Yeah, they have a very big week of Atalanta. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Okay. Well, I think that's. I I think we've all covered it. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. So, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. So make sure you come back next week.
Welcome to Everything NBA. I am Reeve Jenkins. And I'm Mining's Adams, and we are your, are podcast. your podcasters. Today, we're going to dive right into the Lakers' big loss in the preseason game against the Nets. The Lakers may have lost this game by 26 points, but that doesn't mean that no positives came out of this game. Malik Monk shined in this game, having 15 points. That's a good sign going into the season if he can consistently average those numbers. Definitely. Another positive point, Wayne Ellington and Dwight Howard have joined forces, scoring a total of 22 points, which is solid for them, playing for their first game on the same team. Meanwhile, the younger players on the team, like Kendrick Nunn and Talon Horton Tucker, have teamed up, scoring 19, combining for 19 points, which is decent for their first game. We hope they'll be more productive going into the joint treatment season, starting on October 19th with the Lakers playing against the Warriors. It should be one of the best one of the best games of the season. I sure can't wait. Uh, other key guys shined in this game as well. Even some of the rookies like Joy Ayayi and Sean D. Brown. Now let's talk preseason games. The next up upcoming game is the Los Angeles Lakers against the Phoenix Suns. My two favorite teams going head to head in a preseason game. I know I'll be on the edge of my chair. The Lakers versus Suns game has actually already started or already ended. The Lakers lost 117 to 105. It was a pretty solid game throughout, but the Lakers are now 0-2 in the preseason. They should be ready going into the season that starts on October 19th, but starting up the preseason 0-2 is not good. Yep, this NBA preseason should be really fun this year. After the preseason, the regular season will begin. And after that, that's when the real fun begins. I'm excited for the NBA season to start, especially with a lot of players on new teams. Everything NBA. That's the show for this week. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.